have you wandered along on life's pathway? Is your life without God life of tears? Have you searched for life's great hidden meaning? Or is your life filled with long and wasted years? Wasted years, wasted years, oh how Time to wake up. 
one day Gabriel will blow the trumpet loud Announcing the resurrection day The voice of Jesus will penetrate the ground And all sleeping saints will hear him say Oh, sing, oh, sing, oh, sing It's time to wake up Oh, sing, it's time to wake up Today's sermon is pre-recorded. A terrifying message from Jesus. Lord, quicken now our hearts that this word from your heart will reach ours. Lord, there has to be a change. There has to be a breakthrough. Would today be the day? Send your fire. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, amen. There's been something in my soul from the time I was a small child that said there has to be more about God. There has to be more about being a Christian than what I see with my eyes. My mother and father came home from a church meeting. My mother was in tears. I was shooed off to bed. But I snuck out and stood at my mother and father's bedroom door and listened to them do their pillow talk. And I learned that the Sunday school teacher had been very nasty to my mother in this meeting. And as a little boy, that grieved my heart. I was only Rasheen's age. I was very upset. So the next week, when it was time to go to Sunday school class, I wouldn't go into Sunday school. I stood outside. How could I go and sit and listen to a Sunday school teacher who had treated my mama that way? Well, people soon saw me standing outside, and they began to forcibly invite me to come in. And my response was, my teacher is not right with Jesus. Well, finally, she came out. And I said, Miss Edith, you're not right with Jesus. How can you talk to me about Jesus? Well, that brought the pastor to the scene. And he said, Raymond, you go in there to Sunday school. I said, Pastor, my teacher has not repented. When I do something wrong, I have to repent. I have to say I'm sorry. I'm not going into that class until teacher repents to my mama. My mama was in charge of all the Sunday schools. And soon she was brought. And oh, such a scene of crying and carrying on. And finally, my teacher humbled her heart and repented. And then I went into Sunday school. I can't explain to you what it is in my soul, but I've never been satisfied with this normal church business. My soul rebels against it. I have lost many friends because of this. They've called me radical. They've said, why are you always pushing Why are you always looking for more? You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just walk in the anointing you have and be happy? Why this constant push, Ray? I can't explain why. I just know there's something in my soul that is not satisfied with what I see. I have to have more. 
Now, frankly, it would be so easy for me to come here and preach a wonderful sermon and have you laugh and have you cry. And you could go out and say, we had a good time with Jesus today. And pretty soon this whole place would be packed out. I've been there. I've done that. I can't do it. Instead, I have to call you to a deeper place today. We're not yet where the Holy Spirit has called us as a church. He's calling us deeper. I have been terrified all week about the message I have been instructed to give. It was a revelation to me from the Holy Spirit. I tried to give it last Thursday night, and the Holy Spirit said no and made me share Bevington's story. He kept me up much of the night struggling with this. It's not an easy word. It's a terrifying word. But it's straight from the heart of Jesus. Open your Bibles. I want you to follow so that you'll know that I'm not speaking something that is not in the Word. I want you to know that it is in the Scripture and that I'm not twisting it and it's not an interpretation. I believe in taking the child's simple definition of words. I don't believe in layering over it with complicated Strategies to avoid this child's simple truth of the Word of God. These are not the words of Peter or Paul or John. These are the words of Jesus. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus is literally walking with his disciples to Gethsemane. These are the last words before the great struggle of Gethsemane commences. When a man is about to die, he becomes very serious. He does not waste words. He comes with a very direct approach. How many times I've walked into the room of a man or a woman who was dying and they have said to me, Pastor, tell me the truth. Am I dying? And I say to them, you already know you're dying. I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to tell you what the scripture says. You already know what I'm going to tell you. But Jesus now wants to just cut all the varnish off, all the shine off. He wants us to see the raw reality of what he wants. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener or the caretaker of the field. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me, Or repose in me. Go to bed in me. Rest in me. And I will remain in you. I will go to bed in you. I'll rest in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now let's look more carefully at this passage. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He's saying that there are men and women, boys and girls, who have been born again. Who claim the name of Jesus as Lord. Men and women who say, I am a Christian. Men and women who go to church. Men and women who pay their tithes. Men and women who enjoy the fellowship of the saints. He's saying, these people, if they bear no fruit, will be cut off and set aside where they're going to dry out. And when they're dried out, when there is no longer any sap of Jesus in their life, he is going to cast them into hell. He's going to burn them. Now let's be clear, in the context of this passage, Jesus is speaking about righteousness. He's saying, If you keep my commandments, if you do what I ask you to do, if you produce righteousness, so it is now possible, we know, for a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, to come and and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to attend the house of the Lord and enjoy the fellowship of God's people and not produce righteousness in their life. But to leave the house of the Lord and pursue their own course, pursue their own life, continue to lie, continue to cheat, continue with bitterness and anger, continue to walk as a pagan, continue to blow with the wind this way and that way, never really producing righteousness in their life. The sap of God through Jesus Christ is flowing into their life. They're enjoying the nurturance and the encouragement of reading their scriptures. They're enjoying the music and the praise and worshiping of God. To all of us, as we would look at one another, we wouldn't know which that was, perhaps. But that person, at some point, will be judged by the Father and will be 
cut off from the vine. Because they are producing no righteousness in their life. And then they're going to be placed with others who are like themselves. They also now will be with people who fellowship with Jesus, who are a part of the church, the body of Christ. But they produce no righteousness. They have no moral integrity in their soul. They have no depth in their spirit. When a test comes, they get angry. When a, when a test comes, they run to the world. When a test comes, they find an avenue of escape other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. They refuse to be tested. They have no faith. There is no timber in their life that stands up and says, I will serve Jesus even if I die. And so they run here and there. They're satisfied with the husks at 7-Eleven. Or they're satisfied with the television. Or they're satisfied with their work. Or they're satisfied with relationships. They're satisfied with all kinds of things. But they never are satisfied with the flowing sap coming into their heart from Jesus. They have to have the money. They have to have the recognition. They have to have things go their way. And if it doesn't go their way, they're mad. They don't show any initiative. They come into the body of Christ. Usually they come late. They pick up a little bit and then they run. They've got a busy life. They don't have time for Jesus. Pastor only preached so long because if the service gets long, I've got to get out of here. I've got important things to do. No understanding. No depth of heart. No hunger for Jesus. Hungry for the hamburgers and hot dogs. Not hungry for Jesus. They get cut off, but they're with like-minded people now. So they don't know they were cut off. And everybody is drying just like they are. And so now the drying process goes on, and so now we better bring in a little worldly music to hype this thing up. The Holy Spirit is grieved and left, so we better get some entertainment going here. Pastor, you need to tell a few jokes. One man came to me after I preached, not at this church, but another, and he said, Pastor, your sermon would be so much better if you had secular quotes in your message and you had a few jokes so you could lighten things up a little bit. You preach too heavy. Nobody will follow you. When people are drying out, they don't recognize because everybody else is drying out around them. And the level of concern for Jesus steadily declines and declines until the church is simply a place of social engagement. It's a meet, it's a meet house. It's a place where you meet other singles and, and you hook up and you have relationships. And, and for the married, it's, it's a place where you meet somebody you can go have dinner with and, and you can have social relationships with and get a businessman in the congregation. He wants people to join his Amway deal. I talked to a man about Jesus. I pressed him hard on what his church was like and he said, no, there's no conviction of sin there. I said, then, then why don't you come to the National Prayer Chapel where there's conviction? He said, oh, pastor, I couldn't do that. That's where I get all my Amway people. 
The church is my business. We've talked about that. The church is a body, and when the body becomes a business, it's a prostitute. So most of what we call church in America is a prostitute. It's not a church. It's a pile of branches that had some connection to Jesus. And we're just waiting now for them to be cast into the fire and burned. That's the American church. So I come now and I ask you. Is the sap of Jesus flowing in your life? Is there conviction of sin in your heart? Do the arrows of God pierce you? Are you producing righteousness in your life? Or are you producing a mess in your life? This is the terrifying word from Jesus. You notice that first he said he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Before he said, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That word prune in the Greek literally means to purge, to scrub. It can also mean to cut off as you cut something. So if you're not producing righteousness in your life, the Holy Spirit is coming to you now and saying, let the gardener cut that smut out of your life. You know what smut is? No. I'm sorry, yes. When I was raised on the farm... Dad would walk down through the field and he'd find a corn stalk and a silvery black mass like a cancer would grow on that ear of corn. And dad would say, Ray, mark that. Go get, the, go get your hatchet and cut that stalk of corn down and get it out of here. We don't want smut in our field. Well, smut is also a term for pornography. It's a cancer. We could equally say that smut is any sin that we engage in. And the Lord's saying, the Father wants that cut out. He wants it gone. Now, if you do not respond to that kind word of the Holy Spirit in your life, He will cut you off, and he'll put you in a pile of people that are in the drying process, waiting to be cast into the fire. That's what the word says. I'm not even interpreting it. That's what it says. Did you notice? Verse 6, if anyone does not sleep in me, abide in me, rest in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. So I have to press you today. It's not time to be trying. It's not time to be working. It's time to be resting in Jesus. I talked with a brother this past week. He talked very rapidly about many different kinds of things, and I knew why he was talking about all those things, because he knew inevitably I was going to ask him 
the question the Holy Spirit keeps putting on my heart to ask people, how are you with Jesus? Are you through yet? And he answered, oh, pastor, I'm working out my salvation. I said, I want you to stop working. Because if you don't stop working, you're going to get cut off. And I went into this passage and explained it to him. I said, you don't have time to work it out. You only have time to cut it off. Only time to cut it off. Now I can stand before you today and with an absolutely clear conscience say to you, there is not any area of uncleanness in my life. There is no area of sin in my heart. Everything has been given over to the hand of Jesus. And I am now standing by faith, trust, and rest in Jesus Christ. Now, he'll still find areas that he'll have to prune on me. And I praise God. I have confidence and trust that he will do that in me. But I want to tell you, as I face the the horrendous prayer struggle for this congregation, if there was any area of rebellion or sin in my heart, I would not be able to intercede for you. I would be powerless in the prayer closet. My prayers would not be quickened. I find the strangest thing is happening in my soul. I used to say prayer was the hardest work that I did. Now it's the easiest work I do. I can't stop praying. It flows out of my belly. I will avoid people so I don't have to stop. I'll turn and walk the other way to miss somebody so I don't have to stop the flow of prayer coming out of my heart. Is that how you're walking? Are you walking clean before Jesus today? Are you walking full of victory over sin today? Are you walking with a joyful heart before the Lord? And is prayer just flowing out of your heart because there's nothing to stop it up? Sin stops up prayer. Sin blocks communion with Jesus. You cannot rest in Jesus. You cannot sleep in Jesus. You can't repose in Jesus so long as there is sin in your heart. He said he's he's done this so that there would be joy in our soul. I want to report to you today, I have joy in my heart. I'm rejoicing in Jesus. I'm praising him for the victory. I'm praising him for the prunings. I'll admit to you, some of the prunings in my life are still bleeding. Some of the things God is cutting off from me, I'm saying, Lord, why does that have to go? Never mind, do what I said. So I'm still bleeding a little, but the joy is filling my heart. Is there joy filling your heart today? Are you rejoicing that you follow Jesus? Is there peace in your soul? Or is there still a tumbling, a rumbling, an upset in your inner person? Because you know you're about to get cut off from the vine. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit of righteousness, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
I've made a theological statement to you as a congregation on a number of occasions. It's a statement for which I must repent before you, for it is theologically incorrect. And if there's anything that has brought pain and sorrow to my heart through the journey of my life as a pastor, it has been those times when I have incorrectly understood the word of God. I am joyful, however, that the Lord continues to bring revelations of full knowledge of the word of God. But today I have to humble my heart before you and confess that I have made a theological statement repeatedly that is a lie. I didn't know it when I made it, but I know it today. I have said to you, your standing before God is based on what Jesus did on the cross and nothing else. That statement is false. Your standing before God is based on what Jesus Christ did at the cross plus your obedience to the commands of God. Recognizing that there is nothing in your flesh that can obey the commands of God. That it is grace that enables you to obey the commands of God. Salvation is not by works, it is by faith in the blood of Jesus. But if you are not producing righteousness, your standing before God will be that you will be cut off. You will be severed from the body of Christ. And you will be left in a pile to dry out. So that all you will have remaining are the jokes and the social relationships. But you will have none of Jesus in you. And you will have no integrity before God. And you will be cast into hell. And so again, I repent for stating to you the classic reformed definition of justification by faith. I was trained in a school that used to be holiness. But then a Dutch theologian by the name of Burkauer began to be taught in that school. And Hans Lorendel from Holland, who was my professor, taught me the Reformed theology, and it has taken great effort to flush from my soul the lies of the Reformed theology, that everything was finished at the cross. Everything was not finished at the cross. Nothing was finished at the cross. What was done at the cross was the full provision was given. The full provision of grace was provided. Had had everything been finished at the cross, Jesus would have taken us all to heaven at the cross when he ascended. But he did not take his disciples to heaven. He sent them out to finish the work of the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, to teach them to obey everything that Jesus had commanded. It's only finished when I produce righteousness by the grace of God. It's only finished when Jesus dwells in a soul, inhabits a soul, and transforms it into his likeness, then it's finished. I want it finished in this house. 
I can't come here and treat you like a wonderful social group of people that I love, even though you are a social group and I love you. I can't treat you that way. I have to treat you like I did my Sunday school teacher when I was a little child. And I have to say, repent. Until joy explodes from your countenance. I still see sin etched in some of your faces. I still see rebellion flowing out of your hearts. I still see unbelief, lack of faith, lack of confidence. This has to change. We've got to come into this place with shouts of joy. With victory in the camp. With testimonies. I'm through, Pastor. Can I talk about it? Can I, can I have the mic? I've got to tell people. This has to happen. Now, you know, I said before. The path to revival leads through the camp of reformation. God is not going to release his power at the National Prayer Chapel until we are a reformation people with no more sin during the week with no more rebellion against Jesus during the week. What you are during the week, you bring with you into this house. You can't scrub off the sin before you come. It's etched in your face. Now, what's it going to be for you? Is it going to be the way of the cross? Or is it going to be the way of the branches piled up together with like associations? Drying out. Ready to be burned. Almighty God. Almighty God. Come and minister to our hearts. And do not pass us by. Do not pass us by. Almighty God, we need your healing in our bodies in our souls, and in our spirits. We cannot make it if you do not come and prune us and produce righteousness in us and develop character in us. Lord, we cannot make it if you don't break out on the radio and in this city. If you don't provide the finances, we cannot have national radio or even our local radio. Lord, I looked at the finances. We need you to step in. We're not going to make it, Jesus, if you don't step in. Jesus, my eyes are on you. Jesus, I testify that you are the fairest of all. That you are wonderful. That you fill my heart with peace and with joy. Thank you for loving me so compassionately. 
Lord, I have in the past run until I could run no further. And when I fell down, you were right there. And I would get up and run from you again. And when I would fall down, you would be right there. Until finally you captured my heart with your compassion and love. And I repented of my sins. And you gave me the victory. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com. Now unto him who 
is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with Presence of His glory. With 